0: Welcome to this episode of Have You Eaten, a podcast brought to you by Neerum Health, which aims to bring open conversations about mental health straight to your ears. I'm your host, Steph Ng, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me on today's audio adventure. This podcast is named Have You Eaten because this question is commonly asked to indicate concern for others in our local culture. And we really think that it embodies our podcast's mission to invite listeners to join the conversation about how we can care for our own and others' mental well-being. The upcoming series of podcasts will be focused around the central theme of reimagining. This time of the year is usually fraught with concern about how we can improve and change ourselves for the better. And I wanted to take this chance to invite all of you to consider a different kind of New Year's resolution. How can we develop empathy for people that we might not currently understand? How can we approach situations that we might not be familiar with? Even when we are not sure how to go forward, how can we use threads of our common humanity to imagine what could be? The upcoming series of episodes will be focused around the central theme of human stories. Stories are what make us human. Listening to others' stories and sharing our own are what create meaningful social connections and help us find purpose and a sense of belonging in our world. As you listen to the episodes in this upcoming series, I hope you consider the following questions. In what ways are my experiences similar or different? What can I learn about myself from this person's story? If I don't relate to this person's story, how am I learning to build empathy from listening to it? In this third episode of the Human Stories series, I am speaking with Rebecca Lai. Rebecca will be sharing her experiences of caring for loved ones struggling with mental illness while balancing her role in a high performance environment. Her story is honest and hopeful and sheds light on a perspective that we don't hear enough of, that of someone who needs to care for others who are struggling. Rebecca's story emphasizes that mental health is an everyone issue. Because even if we don't personally struggle with mental health concerns, most of us know someone who does. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to insert a disclaimer that the conversations recorded in this series is for informational and educational purposes only and are not meant to be a substitute for professional medical or mental health advice. If you or someone you know is struggling, please consider using the counseling hotlines that we have included in our show notes and seeking support from a healthcare professional. Without further ado, let's start listening to Rebecca's story. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Have You Eaten podcast. Um, So first, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, have you eaten
1: (laughs) yes i have and i have uh, noodles uh, this afternoon for lunch really i enjoy it
0: yes Noodles are great. Okay, so I'm going to give just a bit of an overview of what we're going to be talking about today so our audience knows. Um, In today's conversation, we're going to be talking about your experiences of caring for loved ones who've struggled with mental illness while balancing work um, in a high-performance environment. So um, first of all, I'd just like to thank you so much for your openness to sharing your experiences, because I know it's not easy. Um, I also know that from my own experience of struggling with an eating disorder and, watching my parents um, have to take care of me. Um, I'm just so grateful that you're here today to to offer some guidance and reassurance for anyone who's out there who might be um, struggling while they're supporting their loved ones as well. Um, So without further ado, let's get started. Um, And before we begin and dive into more of the the deeper questions, I'd just like you to introduce yourself briefly. So why are you passionate about speaking up about mental health um, and caring for loved ones with mental health concerns?
1: Thank you, Steph. So, well, sure, maybe just a little bit of myself first. I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Uh, I'm married with 23 years of happy marriage. I'm a mother of a grown-up daughter I'm a partner of a professional firm with 25 years of experience. I have a happy family, yes, but not in 2016. Um, A bit background of my family as well. Uh, We were living in Beijing for a long time before, uh, but due to some uh, reasons, we made a decision to relocate to Shanghai in the summer of 2015. But in the very last minute before moving to Shanghai, due to work reason, I needed to defer my own relocation for one year. So this is the first time of a family separation that my husband and my daughter moved to Shanghai while I stayed in Beijing by myself. I took it a bit easy as it was like just around two hour flight between Beijing and Shanghai and I could travel a lot, right? But despite the frequent travels of seeing each other, It was indeed difficult to bond our family together with a healthy lifestyle. Mm. Then it was in early 2016, a few months after my family settled in in Shanghai, my loved one suffered certain mental health issues. Maybe it was the family separation, maybe they are facing a new environment, maybe the accumulation of stress all alone and maybe some other triggers which led to the mental collapse. You know, once you have a loved one struggling with a health issue, it becomes a family issues that we have to work together as a family. Well, during the past years, I learned skills as being the caregiver. Some have actually changed my perspective and I hope to share my story. This is really the first time sharing my story, so please bear with me if it's getting too personal. But I'm grateful that I have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. Meanwhile, the increasing awareness of mental health now, maybe more due to the pandemic or more due to my sensitivity of it, I do hope to reduce the stigma of mental illness as we all have ups and downs just like we were playing a (laughs) yo-yo. And we all be able to talk about it just like we talk about physical illness.
0: Thank you so much for for sharing that, Rebecca. And I think what you're saying about um, learning to talk about mental health concerns like physical health is such an important goal for us all to have. Because um, I, you know, there's a there's a saying that there's no health without mental health, and that's something that's really stuck with me. Because I think that um, with physical health, it's so it's so easy to see people always people are always able to empathize with that because they can see it expressed yep. out um, on the body, right? But then yes. when people struggle with mental health concerns, it's so much harder to, um, to relate um, mm-hmm. or to resonate with um, or to give compassion for. And I think yeah. um, you being here today and sharing a different perspective of how um, mental health can or just mental illness can not only impact the person, but also people around them. It really yes. it really speaks to the idea of like, it's a whole system, right? Mental health is, it's everyone's issue. Everyone needs to care because you, even if you don't personally struggle, you will know someone who is struggling. So it's a community thing. And I think that it's so important that you're here today to share that perspective. Um, so thank you, for, thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, and I'd just like to ask you a little bit more if you're comfortable sharing um, when you first started to, to realize that, you know, you spoke a little bit to that earlier, but um, when you first started to realize that your loved ones um, were experiencing mental health sh- issues, um, how did you react um, and how, did that, how was that experience in general?
1: Yes, sure. Well, but to begin with, caregiving skill is never on my resume. So, you see. <laughs> Being very frank, I don't really know how to care for someone who had mental illness. I had no clue. I put it this way, it's just like my loved one who is having mental health issues, is like facing someone who speaks in a very different language. And at that time, we just could not communicate as we used to. Well, so with that, I tried to read books. I also took lessons. I attend training offered by the medical teams so I can be in charge of the treatment at home more easily, but sometimes when putting them into practice, the situation could vary and very unpredictable from time to time. so it really hurt and drain away a lot of my energy. Right. I'll give you an example the choice of the word is a new learning. There was an instant which I Means to say things like, I'm not happy with certain behavior. But if I use the word, I am disappointed, they would really draw a lot of emotional discomfort to my loved one. So I better say, I'm sad of seeing such and such behavior. And another example is like, when we were not invited to a party, we will think, it's fine, we just find some other things to do, right? But not being invited to a party can be detrimental to those who are not mentally strong as they may have a bad feelings about themselves and personalised the situation. So learning and applying techniques like CBT is crucial. Yeah, I think just for the um, audience, CBT is the cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Um, talking about my reactions, when I realized my loved ones were experiencing mental health issues, getting mental health of course would be the first thing, but it's never easy. If you have been in such situation before, you know there's a lot of information available outside and different experts may tell you different things. And sometimes more confusion may lead to delay on treatment. So this also required doing our own study but once the right medical treatment is identified, trust the team. Mm-hmm. The next thing is uh, finding and joining a support group. Before things happen, nothing is under the radar, you know, we would not be paying attention to those different support groups around ourselves. I suggest joining the support group as is the sharing among those who have experienced a situation And those who is experienced at the moment, which may sometimes bring tears and sometimes bring laughter. So you know you are not alone.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but I think the lesson I really learned as a reaction is to forgive myself. You see, at the onset of the illness, there were usually a lot of why questions. Mm. Why would this happen? Why didn't I notice it earlier so I could have prevented it? maybe. Even during the medical treatment, if I keep on asking, did I take the right path for my loved one, it will not help the situation. So I would want to say on top of everything else, learn to forgive myself and embrace the moment.
0: Yeah. That's so important, Rebecca. And you said a couple of things there. There are lots of different important things you said, but um, a few things stood out to me, um, which is mm-hmm. that um, no one is born with caregiving skills. You know, no one, no one naturally knows how to do this. And even though you can be equipped with um, very good skill sets, you know, people can give you very good advice. You can learn a lot of good, um, good skills that you can potentially use, like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but, uh, um, but. In, at the end of the day, you still have to tailor it. Um, to your own loved one right and you you still have to see what the environment is like um, and use your own intuition to to apply it to your own loved one because you ultimately know your loved one the best so i think that's really important um what you said about that um, because i think sometimes there's that um that sense of oh but but the book said that so it must be right um, and i must do it according to the book but what you're saying here is like no you also have to tailor it and sometimes the book won't won't be You know quote unquote correct and you really have to trust yourself um and i also just really love what you're saying about learning to forgive um yourself because you know that really reminds me of the idea that as a caregiver your mental health also matters i think sometimes people forget that they're like but i'm caring for this person who is really struggling and they don't remember that they also are a person (laughs) you know um and and yeah that um i think that's so important to remember and um Thank you for sharing those important things with us because um, I think everyone needed um, every anyone who is struggling with um, or or has a loved one who is struggling needs to remember those those things. Um, So yes, Um, yeah, and I wanted to move on to the next question. Um, I know that you work in a high performance environment, and um, I know that it couldn't have been easy to balance Mm -hmm. those responsibilities with caregiving responsibilities. I just wanted to um, hear a little bit more about how you coped with handling a career and also the responsibilities of caring for your loved ones, if you're comfortable sharing that.
1: Sure, but indeed, um, it's not easy, and in a different way, I would say. right. First thing, um, being in the same profession for 20 plus years, you see, I have been working long hours, facing deadlines, etc. So indeed, I think I can cope with high stress. Yeah. What I did is to use work to distract me from the bad feelings mm. or put it extremely, the failure at home. <laughs> Interesting, right? <laughs> you see, when there are so many uncertainties, or when things are out of control, it can increase anxiety of a person. So I chose to focus on things that I could control, which helped me to release certain anxiety I had at home. I actually put on more effort at work and certain personality traits, such as Mm professionalism, doing things in my own way, et cetera, became more obvious because I didn't want to fail being seen as weak or non-performing but deep down I also had the feelings that I was not good enough which was the imposter syndrome so I would be uh, I would overly prepare could be very sensitive to constructive criticism and took things very personal emotionally I could I would easily uh, break down and cry I recall one time I cried in front of colleagues during lunch without a reason. So afterwards, I prefer to eat by myself. I may call it social withdrawal. It's indeed difficult to put a smiling face when things were not going well. Right, actually what I just mentioned was the short term face. Mm -hmm. As you see, I was not healthy, (laughs) but I'm grateful that Actually by caring my loved one and learning the caregiving skills, help me to draw the family closer as we understand each other better and also change my perspective of life and way of doing things. So for example, self-care. We have been hearing a lot about the face, put on your own oxygen mask before helping others. It's so true on mental health. I need to be mentally strong So I can take care of my loved one who is suffering. So my self-care is having me time and able to focus on different things. And this time, not just work. So exercise is always recommended, right? Um, And for me, I developed a uh, walking habit and have my 10,000 steps go every day. Listening to different podcasts on topics I love. For example, have you eaten? (laughs) (laughs) Using <laughs> <laughs> the commute time to listen to podcast is so relaxing for me. Um, going to church to worship also help. And the second one is again well being grateful. I write um, gratitude journal every day. Bad things may happen, but let's focus on those good ones. For example, it can be as small as someone holding the door for me. A remote friend checking in to say hi, within a quote which is inspiring. So I put all of them, all of all of them in my gratitude journal. And when I look back, I accumulate a lot of happy moments. Um, the last one would be um, being humble and really understand it's okay not to be okay. Uh, working in a high performance culture, you know, is can be very competitive most of the times. But I'm happy now and open to talk about the difficulties I have in life and tell people things that I don't know. I don't mind people seeing me as weak and I admit that I'm vulnerable. So um, it's the mindset change which actually changed a lot.
0: I love that, Rebecca. And um... I'm so inspired by the way that you've taken something so challenging and made it into a real strength. And I, um, I think about this from my own personal perspective too, where it's, um, it's like if I, the eating disorder wasn't easy, um, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, it was what really made it, um, made it so that I could learn many lessons. And I think that it's very similar to what you're saying here, where um, I know that you described the difficulties you experienced. Mm-hmm art where you, you might have fallen into patterns of behavior that weren't very nurturing for you or didn't feel very self-respecting. But I think it takes that um, experience in order for you to discover behaviors and patterns that are, that are self-respecting and that feel good. And it sounds like you really learned and um, developed a really nice routine of self-care. Um, I love the idea of the gratitude journal because I, I think that, you know, as you said, life is peppered with things that are difficult. Um, mm-hmm. but you can choose to notice the positive things and yes there will still be the negative things but you can choose to put more emphasis and to realize that yeah there are nice things too and i can focus on that while also while also not um but while also embracing the fact that it's okay to not be okay and that can be Um, an experience both experiences you can have to embrace the pain and to appreciate the positives so I think you put that so nicely and it's it's lovely to hear um that you're at that stage of your journey so um and I really resonate with that so I'm just sending you a lot of hugs right now across across the screen
1: (laughs) and I'm receiving (laughs) that yes
0: (laughs) wonderful And I think this ties nicely into our our next question, which is, um, how do you think that workplaces and um, people in leadership roles can better support um, people in the workplace, their staff members, um, who might need to balance caregiving and professional duties, or just in general, how they can balance life um, and the responsibilities of a workplace? Um, Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yes, sure. So uh, looking back of my career life, uh, I think there are many things organization and leader have done to support staff members. Um, I will take uh, three of those then. I think first one is being flexible. So nowadays we have seen organization uh, is offering remote work, flexible working, work from home arrangement, etc. Um, with the pandemic, we have seen such arrangement is being accelerated and it's now easy to start a dialogue with where are you working today? And I can tell you, I'm working from home <laughs> because I feel I'm being trusted that even though you don't see me in the office, you know I'm working. As compared with maybe in the past, something like, well, bosses need to see my physical presence in the office but even I'm in the office, my focus is not on work. Or uh, I may feel challenged when I need to explain why I'm not in the office. So I would say being flexible and trusting your employees can create the psychological comfort, which in turn brings out better connection and more contribution that we need to drive the business. So, about comfort, then the second one would be psychological safety. It's actually easy for a leader to say, let me know if anything I can help you with. And it should not be just lip service. Mm -hmm. Well, when someone is struggling between work and family, the stress level is very high. So they may not really know what they really need. Them, giving them the psychological safety so that they can talk about it or just vent it out is indeed more useful. So being a leader, we need to be sensitive to the emotional well-being, pay attention to the signs or changes of behavior, really listen and without judgment, be empathetic and show respect. The third one is walk the talk. Um, We have seen more and more organizations are encouraging uh, diversified and inclusive culture, right? And HR, HR have built or put in efforts to promote well-being of the staff by using policies, surveys, et cetera. As a leader, while we are driving financial results, we need to be able to talk about the well-being issues, especially on mental health, just like physical health. So I have this happen, uh, I have been seeing this happening in Deloitte, as we have put in resources, and there are articles, video, podcasts available, which our leader have taught a lot about well-being matters and really put people first on the agenda. The more we can talk about it, the more we know about it, and the more we know about it, it's actually the easier we can talk about it, which bring our best self to work.
0: I love that. Um, and I love that you put it into these nice <laughs> three points that um, our, our listeners can easily implement and think about. Um, it was definitely very helpful for me. <laughs> um, but something that I, I really resonated with was, um, you know, the more we understand about it, the more we can talk about it. And I think that um, something that really struck me about mental health stigma. It's not necessarily always the case that people are even reluctant to talk about it. It's that they don't even know how to start the conversation because they don't have the vocabulary to, to put it into words. And I think that when you have resources, just like you're saying, where um, people, you create a culture where it's comfortable for people to talk about their experiences and you give people resources to build that emotional vocabulary. You know, even just with teaching people how to say, I'm sad. Um, this was painful. Um, I, I'm struggling today. You know, even giving people um, those kinds of resources is very powerful for them to start expressing um, and start to feel comfortable doing that. So um, I really thought that was important um, for you to to share with us and to to remind people um, who in if someone is listening and is in a position of power and can change um, kind of a workplace environment, um, that's really important for them to, to remember, um, to, to be able to share those resources and to create a culture where people feel comfortable um, and comfortable respecting and talking about um, these, mm-hmm. these issues. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, and yeah, um, let's move on to the um, last two questions. And I think they kind of tie nicely together too, um, which is um, what have you learned Along this journey, and um, is there anything that um, you would want to share with our audience members um, in terms of takeaways that you've um, you've learned from um, your caregiving journey and just your life in general now, <laughs> um, and anything that you might have done differently um, now? Yeah. yeah,
1: I think there are so many things I have learned or I realized that I failed to do. Uh, but one thing I wish I would do differently is ask for help. I recently read an article by Jen Fisher, she's our chief well-being officer at Deloitte, which I want to quote here. The act of asking for help is the most underutilized well-being strategy that exists. It may seem simple, but the truth is that most of us don't do it enough. I learned this the hard way. When I burned out, I didn't ask for help because I thought it was a sign that I had failed. We've been conditioned to believe that asking for help is a weakness. But I think that it's the ultimate act of self-care and strength, and doing it not only improves your well-being, it also benefits those around you. So, as Jen said, I also wish I would have asked for help when I was struggling between work and family and be able to say, I need help.
0: That's beautiful. Um, and I I really, really respect and really love that quote because um, it just goes back to the oxygen mask um, idea, yes. right? You have to understand that you are also a person with limited resources and uh, an emotional bandwidth that other people should respect, right? Um, and so, um, you know, asking for help is, I think, is the ultimate act of bravery and courage because you're basically saying, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this culture that's telling me that it's weak and defying a culture is a massive step. of So I think that, um, I love what you said and I, that quote was so powerful. Thank you for sharing, Rebecca. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's a lovely way to tie up our episode and to ask whether you have three things um, perhaps that you'd like to share, some wise words <laughs> that you'd like to share with other caregivers um, who have loved ones with mental health issues. Um, yeah, please, please do share.
1: Yes, I have uh, the three P- P's. Start with P, right, uh, to the caregiver. I think the first one is patient. It's not always easy to find the right treatment on mental health. But once the right treatment is available, be patient and work with the medical team together. I know that sometimes a phone call from the doctor may not take place as better, And especially during the current situation, hospital visit is not allowed. We need to realize that problems may not be solved within a short period of time. The second P is persistent. As a caregiver, I may see one step forward and two steps backward in the recovery journey. I may feel rejected even though I have done a lot. There are ups and downs in the recovery journey. So let's celebrate the small improvement we have seen. No matter how small it is, don't give up. The last P is passion. I used. I want to use this term because the recovery journey can also be filled with joys, challenges, and tears. During the journey, my loved one may become a different person and I may be blamed on everything. This requires unconditional love and we need to separate the illness from the person. So these are my three Ps and lastly, The recovery journey of our loved one will not be easy. And being the caregiver, if we can have a peace of mind, you know, we can help ourselves and our loved one. Let's support each other.
0: Oh, Rebecca, thank you. Um, And uh, I'm just going to say it again. I know I've said this throughout the episode, but (laughs) I'm so inspired by the way you've taken something that's been so difficult and and here you are you know i think this this episode right now is such a testament to the way your story is going and everything you've said you're really walking the talk because um and something i i, I just see here is that your story isn't isn't finished or perfect or polished mm-hmm. but here you are still sharing something that's very vulnerable and um and just giving people a space to know that it's okay to experience pain and struggle but also that they're there is joy along the way. Um, and something else that you talked about today was the idea of, um, you know, even if it's hard, you learned to interact with your family members in a more compassionate way and you understand them better now. You understand your better too. Um, so. Yes. It's, as you said, you know, just with the with the idea of passion at the end, it's a mixed bag of joy and tears and, and sadness and happiness. Um, and that's what life is like too, right? So um, I think that's a perfect way of of wrapping things up. And I, again, I'm just so grateful to you for, for opening up a space, for starting the conversation, because I don't think we tend to hear your perspective, like the perspective of a caregiver enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I'm very, very grateful. And yeah, this is going to be a great episode to share with many people.
1: Thank you, Steph. And I really thank you for giving this opportunity to share my story. And uh, it's it's the authentic self I am. Thank you.
0: Thank you again for being here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Have You Eaten? hosted by me, Steph Ng, and featuring the wonderful Rebecca Lai. I hope that you loved this show and that you join me again on the next audio adventure. If you liked this show, the best way that you can support us is to leave us a five-star review on the platform that you are currently listening on and to share this episode with your friends and family. You never know who might need some words of encouragement and support right now so be sure to keep your loved ones close and to share knowledge that could help them take better care of themselves. If you have any questions or just want to chat, please email us at podcast at neuromhealth.com. That's podcast at neuromhealth.com. You'll find a link to this email in our show notes as well. We're excited to hear from you all.